0: Folks, the best value at Manager Tools is to buy an annual license to our material. For $200 a year, you get access to show notes for every single show produced, over a 100 a year, plus our entire archive of nearly 1,000 shows. You wouldn't want to print it out all in one place. It'd be a management Wikipedia, and it'd be probably 5,000 pages. You get all that, plus access to Things I Think I Think, and even more powerfully, the interview creation tool, which may be our strongest and most least known digital tool that we have, and more digital tools to come in the future, available only to licensees. Ask another licensee, they'll tell you it is the best value they have. Welcome to
1: Manager Tools. Leading Change, The Orchard, Chapter 1. Here we go. I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but it certainly happened to me, you know, rolling out change to organization and finding out that not everyone on my team wants to go along with every change that I want to create. Right. Um, Why don't
0: they just make it easy? Right. But nope, they can't do it. Yeah.
1: Well, and, and after a while, you find out that luckily you don't have to win everyone over.
0: Right. Yeah. And that's probably the key to this cast, the card analogy. Yeah, too many young managers make the mistake of thinking that consensus, you know, that everybody has a vote, that it should be a democracy, or that why wouldn't I try to get everybody on board? And this is just a bad—it's it's a bad analogy. Um, it's not a democracy. Consensus is not something to be striven for. And thinking about your people differently based on how they feel about. The change you're trying to implement makes your job a lot easier and actually increases the chances that your change process will happen and happen well. That's right. And if a
1: consensus and getting everybody on board is the standard, you're going to quickly become frustrated as a manager and you're going to stop leading change. You're yeah. like, you're gonna sit back in your lows. Not because you want to, but it's just so hard, right? The the whole running in, in oatmeal kind of yeah. analogy.
0: And here's the hidden gem of this cast that a lot of people won't get and I didn't get the first few times I understood the Or years ago. If you approach change in a situation where you have to get everybody on board and some people know that you're gonna spend a lot of time with them, there will be people who will take the position one two three in order to block you all the time so they can sap your energy away from where the levers truly are they know if they're against the change that every minute you spend with them is a minute not spent with everybody else and and therefore the people who can be won over and so they take the position in order to sabotage things they just they just say no
1: there are people like that out there uh yeah yeah okay yeah Yeah. Yeah, there are.
0: <laughs> yeah, good. All right. Okay, so look, here's our outline for the cast. Three parts. First of all, want to explain the or cart analogy. Secondly, obviously, what you'll do then is figure out where everyone on your team is relative to the analogy, the cart. And then lastly, the key to this cast, don't waste much time on your naysayers. Don't waste time on those people who are pulling against you. Um, you don't have to get everybody on board. It'd be great if you did. It'd be great if everybody goes along, but they don't. Take it from old hands who have been managing for 30 years. Um, they don't. And you're going to have to change how you allocate your time using the or card in order to be more effective more often.
1: Okay, good. What's the or card on it? Yeah.
0: So, so, I mean, first of all, just a, a wee bit of background here. The problem with change is not that you don't have time for the change. If that's all you had to do, but you have to lead change while also getting the rest of your work done. And it's not easy. And what ends up happening is too many of us spend too little time on the communication of, the persuasion of, the change effort itself. You know, we have to develop the change, we have to communicate it, we have to provide training, maybe we have to measure it, we have to follow up, we have to internalize it with reporting. And because we're busy, we spend too little time on the implementation and it ends up taking longer and being messier and less impactful than we originally thought. And the reason that a lot of us spend too much time is we have this mistaken impression I alluded to before. Most of us don't want to be an autocrat who avoids collaboration. And, you know, there, there are times where you have to be in charge. Uh, but generally speaking, we want to use role power, persuasive power, rather than, I'm sorry, we want to use relationship power, which, which requires persuasion, rather than role power, which requires authority. I thought for a second there I was gonna have to disagree with you. It's like, oh god, uh, what is going here? Go right for the roll power. Kaboom, Game of Thrones, boom. Yeah. But hopefully you don't do that, don't use roll power too much. The problem isn't usually that for most of us we're too autocratic. Too many of us go too far the other way and think basically the mentality is, Oh gosh, I've got to get everybody completely on board to roll something out but what most of us i certainly didn't know this before i learned about the orc is great change managers people who are good at turning things around people who are good at setting a vision and and following through don't try to win over everybody they don't they spend time on those team members who are most likely to contribute and they actually try to minimize the impact of those who disagree if they're going to be thinking about the naysayers they're actually working just to mute them rather than and, and to keep them from talking to everybody else rather than trying to win them over because they know it will take five times as long and even if you do to, to win them over and even if you do they won't be as valuable as some of the people who are supporters so Here's how to think about your team members when you're planning change. Some of you, I suspect many of you have already figured out the ore cart analogy. Think of yourself as pulling an ore cart. And I got to say here, in deference to a, a great movie, not not the greatest, but a great movie. Oh, here we go. This is a, an ore cart just like the one Indiana Jones wrote in, in that great action sequence in the in the mine, in the underground mine in the third movie indiana jones and the temple of doom now that one actually i don't think it had a handle on it but basically it's a cart that runs on rails that has a handle kind of like a really tall industrial wagon and
1: you're pulling the cart by the way for listeners who are new if you've been here a while you know that there is not a management story or lesson or theory or anything relative to management that Cannot be compared to something in Indiana Jones. That's that's, yeah. just the, that's just the rule of. horseman's rule of management. Yeah, exactly. Stories.
0: Exactly. Right along with. In the first movie. When he says. You know. I'm going to Cairo. Meet me at Omar's. And he says. How? Um, Fala. His friend. Fala says. How? And he says. I don't know. I'm making this up as I go. That's the ultimate managerial line. Right? People don't know what they're doing. Uh, and it, it still turns out okay. For many of us. So you've got a hold of the handle of the cart and you're trying to pull it down the track, the track toward the change you envision occurring on your team. It's a heavy cart and it's hard to move. And everybody on your team fits into the picture into one of three places relative to the cart. Your supporters who also have a handle on the cart and are pulling along with you. That's one supporters actively helping you. They're actively helping you move in the direction you want the cart to go. They make your change effort easier. They volunteer. They step up. They support. uh, They encourage. uh, They give ideas. um, They offer extra time and so on. Your riders who are actually in the cart, (laughs) they're not helping you pull, but neither are they working against you. There's work to be done to get them where you want them, Because they make the cart heavier, but they could become supporters and it would be okay if everybody were in the cart. If nobody was working against you and the entire team was in the cart, you'd have to pull a little bit. You'd probably have to be a little bit more of an autocrat than you wanted, but riders are okay. Um, it'd be good, you know, to to try to communicate with them and, and do more to get one or two of them. If you've got ten people in your team, to get one or two out of the cart and pulling makes an enormous difference because they're no longer dead weight.
1: Right. There's guys out there who can, you know, big strong guys that can tow by themselves a big airplane. Right. So yeah. Assembly, <laughs> <shine>. so, <laughs> right. so so get a, right. get somebody big enough and strong enough in the front.
0: You're okay. Yeah. Too much analogy there, dude. Okay. Okay. Too much. I'm okay. <laughs> strongest man in the world contest look he's pulling a truck (laughs) okay that's one of those moments guys where we leave those moments in um if you don't know it mike and i have recorded for 10 years we started this recording it's a saturday morning i'm recording this with him we're both at home and i started when we got on the phone by saying you know i still like doing this it's been 10 years I still enjoy writing the cast I still enjoy recording them it's been the same every year for 10 years and you would think we would get old but it is not Um, we're more excited now than when we started in terms of the the upside of what we're doing but that's gonna stay in here and what I often tell people is if a cast is 30 minutes long it took us 30 minutes and 30 seconds to record it Um, there may be one small thing that's cut out or you know somebody says something wrong and record it but we essentially take first takes. I don't have we ever we've re-, 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 re recorded a couple of casts, haven't we? When we had total audio failure or something. Exactly.
1: But not because of we we didn't say it right or Yeah. No. Or we may not have said it right, but we didn't we didn't re-record yeah, we it. We didn't
0: re-record it, right? So um please don't send us mail telling us which cast we didn't do well on. Um okay, so we've got supporters who are pulling the cart with us and we've got riders who are in the cart. And then lastly, we've got naysayers Okay. they're at the back of the cart actively pulling against you. They don't like the change, so they don't want the change, and they're privately and maybe, frankly, even publicly disagreeing with you and maybe even trying to convince some writers to help them, help the naysayers, sabotage the efforts. In fact, a good friend of mine once said that your job as a manager is to keep the naysayers away from the writers. That's all, right? Just do that, right? Because in as much as a writer jumping out to become a supporter is great, a writer jumping out to become a naysayer is bad. Effective change managers will all tell you that you don't get the cart moving by getting everyone to pull on the handle with you. You get the cart moving by motivating your supporters and minimizing the effect of the naysayers, and, of course, particularly on your writers. And that's the or analogy. Good.
1: Let me say something about naysayers real quick. I worry that some people will interpret what he says, like these naysayers are just evil people who just want to thwart your efforts at every point, you know, at every turn. I mean, there are some evil people out there, but but generally uh, that's not the case. Naysayers are fighting against your efforts because it impacts them negatively, right? There's an organizational change that is likely to happen that's going to impact them uh, negatively, they're going to lose part of their organization. They're, they're going to lose yeah. some responsibilities, or they're going to gain some yeah. responsibilities that they don't they don't want. So these are not evil people. Yeah. They're going to have to work more with somebody they don't like. That's right, right. So there's all sorts of reasons why somebody's going to th- try to thwart your efforts. So. You know, anytime you you make change, there's be people who are going to be positively impacted and negatively impacted from perspectives of workload and responsibilities and all that kind of stuff. And um, yeah, so anyway, I just I just want to make that
0: clear. And the reason why we call this chapter one is we're going to use the Card analogy describing other things in the future about how you can approach it based on whether a person's a supporter or an acuser. Uh, Another way to think about it is not whether somebody's evil, but also there are some people who are naturally predisposed to be comfortable with change and some people who Mm -hmm. are not. For those of you who know DISC, Ds and I's, your high Ds and high I's, your forceful, assertive, pushy folks are more comfortable with change. It's one of the reasons why they tend to populate executive positions at higher percentages than a normal population sample, whereas S's and C's, your reserved people team person or your perfectionist your engineer your software developer and so on are generally predisposed to leave things the way they are they prefer the status quo so a change it starts out for s's and c's being bad not horrible not to be avoided at all costs but the initial response to an from an s or a c is to say I'm not comfortable with that, whereas just the opposite with D's and I's, they go, oh, okay, something new, something better. So for S's and C's, their natural tendency is to be a bit of a naysayer. Now, that doesn't mean they won't be a supporter. They can absolutely become a supporter, and we don't recommend here that you completely abandon your naysayers. You owe them some modicum of communication and so on. and. It happens quite a bit once you explain it to them from their point of view. You know, and we're about to recommend an internal pre wire, they'll come along. They'll become a writer or a supporter. Um, but you're right, it doesn't take evilness, and it's good to know what people's natural tendency is. And of course, that might all start with. Doing one-on-ones and getting to know the strengths and weaknesses and natural tendencies of your people. You just saying. Didn't just saying. Think? Just just putting it out there. Somebody, somebody ought to do a podcast about that. Yeah. Okay. So
1: with that out of the way, what's the first step in using yeah. the, the ore cart?
0: Yeah. We're going to allocate our limited time and energy. That's the whole point of management. You have limited time and energy. We're going to allocate that time to get the ore cart moving. Rather than making the mistake of thinking everybody equally, We apportion our limited time based on the likelihood that our persuasive, of persuasive success with some of the team. So we break that, our team into the three groups. And there are two ways to do it that are both pretty simple. The easiest way is to simply use your best judgment based on your experience with each team member. This is much more likely if you've been a manager of a team for a year and you've been doing one-on-ones and you've paid attention, you've gotten to know them. Some of them, you know, are aligned with you. They generally agree with you and so on. Some, less so. And so the ones that are aligned with you, they become supporters. The ones that aren't, um, they become naysayers. Now, it's not just a generic one that everybody who's a naysayer now will be a naysayer in the future. As Mike said, depending upon the change, you want to think through the impact of the change on the team and take off your rose colored glasses for a minute and then analyze, okay, what are the negatives and positives? So it's a simple negative positive chart for each of your team. Is this a good thing or a bad thing for him? And if somebody on your team who's naturally a high C, a bit of a reserved person, more of a perfectionist, analytical, not a heavy communicator, smart, effective, um, but not warm, not necessarily outgoing, if you know they're a perfectionist and this change involves them working with new people, changing the process, and having different metrics, dude, they're going to be a naysayer. And hopefully they'll come around. They're going to be a professional and they know that, particularly if this is a waterfall change, that it's not coming from you. You know, you want to consider them in the naysayer category to minimize the chances that you think they're going to be a supporter because you just layer up, you you put a layer of happy time above everybody. Everybody's like, oh, everybody's going to love my, my change. That's not the case. But look, some people are aligned with you. Some are not. You think about the change. You think about them. You do a negative and positive chart. And you put them in one of the three categories. And look, if you can't be sure, put them in the middle to start until you have a chance to hear their views in a meeting or perhaps in a one-on-one. And there you go. We hope you're doing one-on-ones, folks. There's a cast for that.
1: This is all not that hard. It's just taking five minutes and thinking about it. I mean, literally, yeah. that is the step that most managers don't take, right? They yeah. They think all these happy, happy thoughts. Take five minutes and think about it, and it'll come to you pretty quickly.
0: Yeah. And the first time you do it, Don't worry that you're going to be right or wrong. You know, it's okay to not do a perfect analysis. You're not solving a quadratic equation here. If someone is sort of between two categories, that's fine. This is just one rough way of thinking about their proclivities. That's all. Okay. The second way to do it is to do an internal team pre-wire. And by the way, there's a cash for that, folks where you sit down with everybody and you show them the deck individually. You could do it at, at extending your one-on-ones. You could do it, you could schedule 10 minutes during the week. Um, and if you think you don't have time to do a 10-minute sit-down with each one of your directs in a given week, provided you have less than 20 directs, your problem is not change or internal pre-wires. Your problem is priority management. But you visit with them, you outline your draft plan or, or the idea, and assess their relative support. And this does. It takes a little longer. It may also give you more insight into why a particular direct disagrees with you. Either way will work just fine initially. Um, Maybe you use the first one three or four times, and then you realize for a really big change to coming, you're going to do an internal pre-wire, and that's fine.
1: Okay. Now that we understand where everybody is, more than likely, we're going to find some people who fall into the camp of naysayers. And so um, we're going to spend a lot of time with them, Right. No. No. Just yeah. Right. right. Exactly. You just
0: you, you should be writing these.
1: I should. I should the anti-manager tools. I mean, I'm, I'm serious.
0: You are all over it
1: because that's what we do. We spend what we spend yeah. time with
0: people. <laughs> Knowing where your supporters and your naysayers are lets you avoid the big rookie mistake we mentioned earlier, which is getting everybody completely on board. You're not going to try to do that. Now that we know who the naysayers are, we're going to spend less time with them. Because that time is unlikely to convert them. And every minute we spend with them is a minute not spent thanking a supporter, encouraging a supporter, or even encouraging a writer to become a supporter. Now, look, I, I think I said this before. We're not going to completely ignore the naysayers. Everyone, I even shun, them. You're, you're dead to me. <laughs> I shot Yeah, exactly. Right? You're dead to me. Um, everyone even naysayers gets briefed on progress you don't disinvite naysayers to meetings you take their questions when their questions aren't thinly veiled attacks and, and i'll tell you that's something we'll do a podcast on at some point in the next 10 20 years which is what do you do when somebody just nakedly attacks an idea in the veil of a question and actually that will, that cast will be called squash them like a bug no i'm kidding i'm kidding <laughs> Uh, Because, you know, it's funny how people think, oh, we should be professional until I don't want to be professional. So when an ACR asks a question, take their question. Okay. But on the other hand, don't ask them to serve on the implementation team. Don't ask them to present the ideas to others to get them on board. Okay. Don't think, okay. Bob is a 10 on a 10 in terms of the supporter scale. Joe is a three. I think he's a naysayer. And so, therefore, I'm going to go have a special meeting with Joe each week trying to win him over. You don't do that, okay? You recognize that not every change will will be liked by every single person. And really what you need is to minimize the impact of the naysayers. Don't think of everyone as having one vote, okay? And this is something I've been thinking about a lot. And so I'll say it in a cast the first time the time you would spend on those naysayers would be wasted because your time is limited folks and any time better spent elsewhere is wasted to a manager or a professional who has high standards and has a lot to do when you have a ton to do and you're not going to get it all done It doesn't do any good to do something, to work on something, which technically is a responsibility, which will not deliver anywhere near the results of something else. You're violating a principle. And what most people say when they're working on something that's priority 17 is, hey, this is one of my priorities. Yes, but the moment we have too much work to do, the fact that you are working on a priority is irrelevant. We now expect you to have judgment to work on the most important priorities. We expect you to to ring every valuable minute, uh, valuable result out of your time that you possibly can so you're wasting time spending a good deal more than a basic amount on a naysayer because you're taking time away from supporters and pretty soon it's going to feel like to your top people that the squeaky wheel gets to grease and suddenly you'll have nothing but naysayers on your team particularly those who like attention from their boss and you'll have less supporters so that's the card cool yeah so Knowing whether direct is pulling the ore cart with you or whether they're along for the ride, or maybe they're pulling against you helps you apportion your limited time in a change effort. Don't try to win over the naysayers, limit their impact and praise and overcommunicate to your supporters and drag the naysayers along. That's how you do it. Cool. Thanks my friend. Anytime partner.
1: We'll see you later.
0: Thanks everyone. We'll
1: see you next week. Have a great one.
0: This podcast was produced by Manager Tools. Manager Tools creates actionable management guidance every single week. To receive additional materials via our newsletter and to find products for situations you may face as a manager or professional, go to www.manager-tools.com. Search for Manager Tools on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn.